now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have a fabulous guest today, Ron Corso. As you know, the focus on this show is to do our best to help change the world for the better. And Ron is focused on impacting our future leaders and citizens every single day. Ron Corso is aligned with the values of this show and our focus and is making a difference in people's lives as we speak. Hi, Ron. How are you doing today? Good. Good, Matt. Great. Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm just getting a bit of feedback in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We'll get that sorted for you <laughs> here right. in a second. Um, um, but yeah, just welcome again. And, and if you could tell us a little bit about you know your journey so far, and and uh, uh, you know as your current and your current role as a lecturer, okay. and what you're trying to accomplish, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've um, I started off studying industrial design uh, at the Old South Australian School of Arts, uh, and sort of moved into education, which has been my my passion. I've worked at uh, UniSA, and it's. Uh, uh, affiliates for, for many years um, and I've had a great interest in uh, in kids education especially the notion of building a creative capacity uh, in the skill set that we provide um, and then uh, I've done lots of other things as well I've, I've, uh, I've dabbled in all sorts of other entrepreneurial ventures as you have mm. I, think that, I think that's important so that you don't sort of get stuck in one field for your entire life you mm. actually you know, I've taken a few risks and lost money and all the rest of it. <laughs> so it's a, it's been a bit of fun, but education's always been the constant. It's it's been the thing that's really been my passion. Uh, that's why I'm still doing it. Great. Mm. Well, um, I, I I was lucky enough to hear you speak uh, the other uh, gosh probably a couple months ago at a networking event, and you were talking about how you uh, are teaching. Creativity, which sounds mm -hmm. kind of like an oxymoron. How yes. do you teach creativity? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? And, and, okay. and, and okay. Uh, well, this is something that uh, comes up a lot. People, when I when um, I meet people and they inevitably ask you what you do, and you say you're involved in teaching creativity, they say, "Well, that's interesting, but you can't teach creativity." And I get this even from eminent. Uh, 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 scholars, even in my institution, uh, people don't believe that you can teach creativity. Creativity, it tends to be perceived as this talent activity, something that very few people have. It's a skill that you either have or you haven't, um, and that it can't be taught. Um, and that's really uh, a, a fallacy because research does show quite conclusively that we're all, most of us, are born with a creative capacity. In fact, 95% of kids under the age of five exhibit creative traits. Uh, this is a fact. Uh, interestingly, after the age of five, 95% uh, lose it. Mm. So that's quite incredible. So mm -hmm. at that point where kids begin their formal education, um, whether it's the need to conform, expectations that are placed on them, etc., um, we tend to lose that creativity. Um, now, creativity doesn't diminish 
as we get older, it's always there. But what we can conclude is that there are a number of blocking actions, things that prevent us from exhibiting our natural creativity. Now, in my teaching, it's, it, it's really interesting because my students come to me expecting uh, that uh, I'm going to uh, treat them as the metaphorical empty vessel and I'm going to fill them up with knowledge and experiences to do with creativity to make them more creative because they come to me because they want to be able to exercise their creativity Usually they want to be able to come up with new and original ideas. And I say to them, well, no, it's actually quite the reverse. Uh, my, my belief is that most of you have a creative capacity, uh, but it's blocked. And, and, and statistics and research demonstrates this. So my job is to try and diminish your uh, impediments and uh, the things that prevent you from, from being creative. And so the very first aim of my course... Uh, which students find a little bit sort of uh, unusual, is to decrease inhibitions. Okay, so that's, that's what I want to try and do. Yes, we, we learn about creativity, we get information about creativity, we practice creativity, but primarily the aim is to decrease inhibitions to allow the natural creativity to flow through. Now that might sound like a bit of sort of jargon, but it, it's actually quite true. Um, I, the, what I can see in students is once, once they gain this confidence to be able to um, behave and act in a creative way and perform in a creative way, it totally transforms them um, because they come with an expectation that you are the, the teacher, you're the expert, you're going to tell them what to do. Uh, and the first thing I say to my students when they come to my class, uh, the thing that I don't want to hear is, is this what you want? Mm. Right, because that's what the natural is. Students will come to you and hand you something and say, is, is this what you want? Is this, is this your expectation? And you are trying to get them to think differently, to break outside of those expectations. Now, this is quite normal behaviour because remember that they've, they've come to us with 12 years of formal education, much of which is still based on knowledge acquisition, knowledge retention, uh, and sitting for exams uh, and standardised tests, etc. This is something came, that came up in one of your programs with Chris uh, Ramsdale a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was really quite interesting, talking about the sorts of things that prevent kids from being creative and innovative and free thinking. Um, and so for kids to come to us with an expectation that you're going to tell them and guide them into what they have to do is not unusual. Changing that perception... Is the, is the difficult bit. So the first few weeks when you are actually really challenging them can be really quite testing. Mm. Uh, but once they get over that hurdle and they've got the confidence, and this is what I say, the, the important thing in any creative act is confidence. Now, you, you know yourself, just from your background, you, you've done lots of things, you've, uh, you've had business ventures, you've dabbled in all sorts of things. What's the driving force? The confidence that you can do it. And if you didn't have that confidence, you wouldn't have done it. And you wouldn't have succeeded, mm. right? And in any field, whether it's you know sporting endeavours, uh, as uh, you know, as, as as people have done, if you've got that confidence, you really can excel. Uh, and it's building that confidence in students that they can and are able to think creatively and are able to perform creatively and actually can come up with original ideas. That's really the challenge. But when it happens, it's actually really rewarding. That's why I'm still doing it. Mm.
Wow, so much to yeah. unpack there. That was some great stuff. I, one, one thing that, uh, geez, so many things popping in my head, but one thing I heard, and this will probably not sound too educated of me, but uh, as you were talking, I was hearing Yoda in my mind going, you must unlearn what you have learned. Well, So that's what you're doing is yeah. you're, 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 uh, you're trying to uh, – it, it just seems yeah. like a lot of your job is trying to rep- repair the damage – uh, that's been done to these kids where their creativity has been beaten out of them yeah, by being told yeah. no or hey, t- sit down, shut up, yes. and memorize. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm sorry mm. if I'm being a little no, blunt no, on no, how no, I'm no, putting no, that. No, but that's... Not, not being blunt at all. I think that that's probably quite a you know a, a, a relevant observation. Um, unlearning. Yes, I, I often say to my students you know, that part of the process is is to actually unlearn. And again, uh, you can't be too harsh with students because. I say they've come to you with many, many years of conditioning and that's how they think. And to, ch- and to change that perception or to get them to see other possibilities is, is, is difficult. Um, so an unlearning is actually something that we probably all have to continue to do. If, if we talk about futures education, if we talk about education for the 21st century, if we talk about change, and, and I think one of the first points that we made was you know, the challenges to education today, and, and it is about change. And it's not, but, but change has been with us for eons, forever. What, what's relevant today is the, is the, the, the pace of change, uh, the scale of change, right? which is getting to a point where a lot of people are finding it difficult to deal with. So the things that we were able to do in the past, uh, jobs for life, etc., cetera, uh, are gone. Mm. You mentioned in a program a couple of weeks ago where – your experiences of change were around the fact that you're not you're not able to cope with it. You don't really know where you are at times. I remember that you said you said that. Uh, I, I remember listening to it. I, you said you know, so, something like that that you felt okay. you, you felt um, sort of out of it. You know, not able to cope. And that's that's not unusual when we are in a state of rapid change. So, your notion about unlearning is actually a very good point because if we keep doggedly doing things the way we've always done them and are not willing to shift and change and modify and look at things in different ways, then we're going to get left behind. Mm. And this is the secret. I mean, what I say to my students when they, when they come to me, I say, well, you know, my challenge uh, is to prepare you in the best possible way I can for a future world that is rapidly changing. So the things that were done in the past may not necessarily be relevant you know, you are not going to leave here after three or four years with a suitcase full of knowledge and skills and say, that will suffice me for the rest of my life. Might have worked for your grandfather, mm. right, who probably had a job for life, uh, but it won't be for you because traditional jobs are disappearing. You know, it's easy to list mm. a number of jobs that no longer exist or have changed or have morphed into something else. At the same time, in the last 10 years, think of all the new occupations that have arisen Okay. Think about all the things to do around technology, uh, you know, things like data analysts, web designers, social media advisors, automation, automation engineers, mobile app developers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even your role in the studio situation has probably changed dramatically mm-hmm. and the sorts of things that you do and the way you do it, the way you communicate. Um, so we have to okay, go back to your point, which I think is a really good one and, in fact, uh, I'll make a note of it in my next class. Unlearning is really important. Be, or be willing to change and modify and see things in different ways. And we're not prepared for this. Schools give us lots of sound, knowledge-based education. 
they don't prepare us to process that, that material. And that, that was what came up in, in one of your broadcasts a couple of weeks ago. The, the processing of knowledge uh, is the thing that's important. You see, once upon a time, knowledge was the, – the teachers were the gatekeepers of the knowledge. If you mm. wanted to find out something, you had to either go into a library or get it from your lecturer or your teacher, etc. Now the knowledge is readily available. Oh, I can find out anything right. about anything and opinions about all sorts of things. Mm. So gaining the knowledge is not the problem. What you do with it is, is the thing. And we don't, we don't probably do enough in giving kids experiences in how they process that knowledge, what you do with it, to develop new ideas or new possibilities and to look at things in different ways, to look at things in a variety of ways, to look at things differently, uh, to, to use our imagination. Now, the critical thing here, Matt, is, is, uh, is imagination. Mm. Uh, well, that, we're gonna, mm. we're gonna, that's such mm. a powerful point. Mm. I, mm. That I've heard before that the most powerful nation on earth is not the United States. It's imagination. Yes. So yes. we're going to be back in just a couple uh, okay. minutes here with Ron Corso, and we're going to pick it up right there. Okay. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Governo locale, mercoledì dalle 11 alle 12 con Patrizia e Tony. Solo su Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Radio Italia Uno You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome back. We're here with Ron Corso from UniSA. And in the last session, uh, you made a point that was really uh, powerful that I'd like to go back to real quickly if we can. Is, and that is that creativity can be taught uh, as a skill, just like leadership or uh, mathematics or, or anything else. And, and, I, and I read a study a few years ago about that, and I was really fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about – can you sell the audience on how they can become creative if they're not now? Because so, so many of us have mm-hmm. these self-fulfilling prophecies. I'm not good at this. I'm yeah, not good at yeah. that. I'm not okay. creative, whatever. All right. Well, let's, uh, that's a good question uh, and one that's often asked. Um, let's begin uh, – with the statement that I'll make that creativity involves imagination. Now, imagination is a particular thing that all human beings have. And in fact, it, it sets us apart from all other living creatures, okay? Uh, we are the only living creatures that have this imaginative ability. All, all other creatures rely on instinct uh, to survive and, uh, and uh, you know, whatever they do. 
We use imagination. So not only have human beings learned to adapt to their environment for basic survival, which all creatures have to do, okay? If you don't adapt, you don't survive. Human beings have developed the ability to adapt the environment to suit their needs, okay? Now, that is a significant shift, a significant difference. And it's this adapting process where, through our imagination, we model change in our head and we bring about change that makes us unique. So we are all creative, in a sense. We all, we all change our world, and that's uh, the basic sort of definition of creativity, if mm-hmm. you like. All right? Now, over the years, um, what we've also developed are fantastic skills in technology. Right? If you look at where we are as a human race at the moment, if, if someone was to come, if your grandparents to come back to life and observe what's happening, they, they would marvel at the technology we have about it. They would marvel at the means of communication, they, they, the things that are able to be done now that were just a pipe dream. Now, these are all the result of our uh, imaginative capacities, our creativity. Now, we're very good at the technologies, you know, we can we 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 have got fantastic systems, etc. So, the question then is asked: If we've got these fabulous technological systems, communication, the sophistication in our world, why are we now facing some of the grandest challenges in the history of the human race? Why do we have climate change, pollution, depletion of resources, overpopulation, etc.? Right? If we've reached this level of sophistication. And the answer to that, Matt, is that whilst we've developed fabulous means of technology through our education, through through traditional education, what we haven't done is really interrogated our imaginative capacities. So we're able to come up with with ideas that actually don't necessarily work terribly well. And what my argument is that what we need to do uh, in our education system is place as much importance on the ideas and how these ideas can be interrogated and put into practice with a view to considering the implications of these ideas, the future impact of these ideas, and then match that up with the fabulous technology that we have, and hopefully things will be better. Uh, my feeling is that the, 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 the challenges that we face today, whilst they've been brought about through poor decision-making or lack of vision, can be solved through mm-hmm. creative thought, creative application. Um, so, so an argument in terms of why creativity is important, I think, lies there. Being creative, okay, well, that, that might involve um, uh, a number of things. Um, you see, human beings tend to ask the following questions, which, it, which actually puts them in this sort of creative, imaginative space. They say, well, why are things the way they are? We, we often will ask that question. Why are things the way they are? And that is dealt with very well by traditional education, you know, answering that question, why are things the way they are? Why should they continue the way they are? Now, that implies a questioning attitude, which we sometimes encourage in education, but not always. Okay? And then the third one, we might say, how might they be different? Now, this is the bit that we don't concentrate on, you know, making things different, making things better. Right? So we learn about stuff, but we don't learn enough about the implications of ideas and how we can make the ideas better. Mm. Now, getting back to your question about uh, how um, we might uh, be creative, 
what I try and do in the experiences I provide uh, for my students, and there's no, I mean, there's no magic form. I can't say, you know, follow the 10 rules and you will be creative. Uh, it's, <laughs> follow this yeah, regimented yeah, structure it's, it's, and then you'll be yeah, creative. It's, it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more than just knowing stuff. It's actually an attitude, uh, a state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to, I say to my students, especially those that are going to go on and become designers, I mean, you've got to live and breathe and love this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't just do it in an academic way. You, mm-hmm. you, you've got to feel it, okay? Um, and creativity, um, if we say, well, you know, what, what actually is it? I mean, a general definition of creativity is to be able to generate new and novel ideas that have value. Mm-hmm. That's there. And you, you see lots of definitions around that, that notion. Um, but on the part of the individual, it requires the ability to make a perception shift, so what do, I, what do I mean by that? It's the ability to see things in a different way. Now, we're conditioned to seeing things in set ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of what education sort of drums into us in lots of ways. And, of course, uh, uh, society and workplace and whatever, uh, uh, cultural uh, influences, etc. We're conditioned to see things in certain ways. But, but to be creative requires the ability to shift your perception. Better see something differently, to mm. see things in a different way. Now, Einstein, he, he actually talked a lot about creativity. Inter- interesting guy. Mm-hmm. He, he developed a lot of his, uh, his sort of theories, theories on relativity by using his imagination. And he actually said that imagination is more important than knowledge. That's a statement mm, yeah. that he made, right? Mm. And he, he says that creativity is combinatorial or combinational, where you put disparate things together. You take things from different situations and you clash them together, and that, that new combination is where the idea lies. And that, in essence, is, is part of the creative act. And, and we all probably tend to do that in different ways, more so when you're a child. You know, a kid, a kid that will sort of play word games and put different words together. You as a comedian do it all the time, right? When you tell a funny joke or create a funny scenario, what are you doing? You're taking information, you're presenting it to an audience in a certain way, and the punchline is the unexpected twist, right, where it, it, it has a connection that's unexpected. Now, when that twist and connection is, is uh, temporary, it leads to humour, right, the sort of stuff that you do very well. When it's permanent, it leads to insight. Mm. And that's the essence of a new idea is when you're able to sort of clash things together and put them together in new and interesting ways. I, um, I, I, yeah, go on. I, I, I was just going to say, I, I, I would like to get your opinion on, uh, I, I think education, if we go back to the ancient mm. ways, I, I think mm. a lot of it is we need to go back to the ancient ways, the Aristotelian, mm-hmm. Socratic method mm-hmm. of, of you know, asking questions, really, and that's where creative com- creativity yep. comes from. You mentioned Einstein earlier. Mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. one thing Einstein said was, and I'm paraphrasing, I might get this wrong a little bit, but it'll be close, is he said that if he had an hour to solve a problem, he would take the first 55 minutes figuring out what question to ask. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of creativity is figuring mm-hmm. out how you, what you want to accomplish, things that can't be accomplished, figure out the question, and then you can uh, – so I, I, I'd like your feedback on, on that whole process, how that can be yep. you know, brought back. Uh, or, or am I looking at it the wrong no, no, way? No, 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 absolutely not. This is a critical question, okay? 
and uh, I'll give an example uh, if we've got time. Um, and it's a, it's a project that I set uh, my students not long ago because quite often what I do is I will come to work in the morning before a class, you know, go and have a coffee, read the paper, and if I see something interesting in the news that I think is topical, that I can uh, challenge my students with, I'll bring it in. One morning there was an article on truancy. And uh, headlines, you know, kids in, well, I won't say which area, you know, were more truant than others. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the headlines, you know, the education department was up in arms, the government was up in arms. And usually with truancy, it, it has a, an overtones of being obviously something that's undesirable. Uh, there's a lot of negativity. And the solutions generally revolve around a punishment regime, mm. right? Uh, let's punish the schools, let's punish the kids, let's punish the parents. I always, I always am intrigued by the idea that if a kid is truant, they get suspended. Uh, I couldn't quite ever work that out, but that was rather interesting. Okay, so I set this to the students. I said, okay, today we are going to tackle the truancy problem. I want, I want some great ideas on how we can look at this. So I said to them, exactly what you're saying, what's the real issue here? What's the real fundamental underlying issue? And they say, well, it's truancy, kids wagging school. No, 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 think about it carefully. What's the real underlying issue? And after a while, we came to the conclusion that it's about engagement. Mm. Students don't go to school because they're not engaged. Mm. Uh, They're bored. Mm. Uh, They don't like it or for whatever reason. So I said, well, maybe we should tackle the engagement issue. And so I got them to develop some questions around it and, and things came up like, okay, how can we better engage students? In what ways can we better engage students to keep them occupied, to want them to go to school? And if you solve that problem, truancy just disappears. Mm. So you're trying to solve the truancy problem by not solving the truancy problem. Right. And it's exactly what you're saying. It, it's, a, it's a critical factor. I, I say to my students that the most, one of the most important things in the creative act is to be able to identify the core problem. Mm. What are you actually trying to resolve? Not what you think you're trying to resolve. Because we've been trying to resolve the truancy problem for years and getting nowhere. So when you look at engagement... And it was amazing what the students came up with when they actually looked at engagement. They started to question the whole school structure, the curriculum, what was being taught, who was actually teaching it. Mm. Uh, An observation, you know, the teachers control the entire curriculum. Mm. They control the entire... The students have very little say in terms of input into their learning. And would you get, for example, outside people... Would your grandparents come and teach in the classroom? How about that, right? Would... uh, I had one of my students... um, uh, who was you know teaching uh, home economics and uh, and I, I I I said well why why did you do that for she was like because I love cooking you know and where did you get that love of cooking from she said, from my yaya my grandmother mm. I said would you think about bringing your grandmother into the class had never given it a thought mm. so all these interesting things that could increase engagement you know have never been sort of considered mm. uh, we deal with the problem through a punishment regime. And right, it really gets us nowhere. It's lazy thinking. Mm. We gotta, we gotta think. Mm. We gotta be more creative and and mm. think ourselves to solve problems as leaders. So uh, we're gonna be back here in just a little bit with some other keen insights from Ron Curso mm. from University of South Australia. 
How good is Mighty Joe's? They're brilliant. Mighty Joe's is the largest fruit market in South Australia. They handle all Italian small goods. And a family business. Yeah, that's right. Four decades. Joe and Francesco, they're proud to present fresh produce from local growers and local produce markets, passing massive savings on to you. And their service is so friendly. Tell me about the opening hours. Absolutely. They're open 7 until 7, Monday to Friday, and 7 until 5, Saturday and Sundays. And they have weekly bargains and specials, like nuts and fruit and veg, cold meats, pastas, and plenty more. And they've got a new shop. They certainly have. Mighty Joe's are now at 115 Finden Road, Woodville. Check their Facebook page, Mighty Joe's Fruit Market. I need some fruit and veg. I'm heading down right now. I'll come down with you. Bed sale on right now at Save-A-Lot Beds. Lowest prices in Adelaide. Save hundreds or even thousands. New orthopedic beds in queen or double for only $4.49. Australian-made queen or double mattresses for only $1.99. King-size pillow-top mattresses for only $4.99. Get the good night's sleep you deserve. Save-A-Lot Beds sale is on right now at 634 Port Road, Beverly. Don't miss out. Get down to Save-A-Lot Beds at 634 Port Road, Beverly for the massive double, queen, and king-size sale ciao sono Simone Berliat e vi aspetto ogni domenica alle ore 16 con pillole di Agri Adventures dove parleremo di cibo turismo enogastronomico e produzione locale in Adelaide e Sud Australia seguitemi su Radio Italia 1 Facebook e sui social di Agri Adventures buon ascolto Ora più che mai, l'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te, a bene. Con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare, i tuoi cari diventano nostri. Offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio. Il personale è stato fantastico fornendomi supporto sociale a casa. Bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani, con rispetto e calore, con bene. Sei in famiglia. Chiamaci all'81 31 2000 o visitaci su bene.org.au Foodland's proudly owned by South Australian families like mine. Our stores are our second home and just like home, we want you to feel safe and looked after when you visit. Thankfully, our customers have always acted like Mighty South Aussies when shopping with us, which, by the way, supports all the local family-owned brands who produce the essentials you find on our shelves. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. We're back with Ron Corso from University of South Australia. And in the last session, Ron, I was really intrigued by your uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, at least I think I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. one of the things he said before is basically as a species, we're hardwired uh, for adaptation. Absolutely. You know, as a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. So all of us, sh- we should realize, hey, that's who we are. It's in our genetic code to be creative. Exactly. So don't sell ourselves short. Mm. And it's, it kind of reminds me about RFK because what you were mm-hmm. talking about before, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Kennedy used to say um, – most men uh, look at things and say, why? I look at things and say, why not? 
and, exactly. and to, to be creative, to solve the problems that we have today, to move ahead, both as an individual and as a society, we need to be asking a lot of why nots. Is that what you're it, trying to it, drive at? Yes, exactly. Um, and part of the reason that we tend to be inhibited in this way, Matt, is that uh, human beings tend to have a natural conformity bias. Mm. Now, this is important for, for basic survival, obviously. You, know, you, you look at what someone else does and that works and say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. However, if, if all we ever did as a species was conform, mm. we would never progress, mm. okay? Um, you need those outbreaks. You need that questioning attitude. You need what I might call disruptions. Mm. Now, disruptions are really the driver of creativity, mm. right? Disruptions can either happen uh, to us without any uh, out of our control. Let's say, for example, COVID. Now, COVID is a classic example of a disruption that's mm. happened. And we've had to adapt and change and modify. And as a result, it's actually changed uh, the way we do things and probably will we'll do so in, in quite a sort of significant way. So disruptions, but disruptions can also be initiated by us. So I would say that designers uh, constantly think about disruptions when they ask those questions. You know, why are things the way they are? How could they be different? Okay, so that's that's really important. Um, but this conformity bias that we have tends to often override because we 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 tend to uh, not want to do things that are different. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to be wrong. We have a terrible fear of error, and that's drummed into us from when we were a kid. Mm. You know, when you were a kid, uh, think of an example where you may have put your hand up to answer a question. You got it wrong. Were you rewarded? No. Were you encouraged? Probably not. Mm. Were you sort of uh, made to feel foolish? Probably yes. And so you quickly learn that if you don't know the right answer, you don't contribute. But just if, real quick, I, yeah, I just yeah, want to add this because yeah, I yeah. saw this super – because as an educator, I saw yeah. this super cool thing once uh, yeah. about this a teacher who uh, – the kid took a math test and uh, there was like th- 20 questions on it and she wrote a plus three on the top. Yes. Because okay. yes. you got 17 wrong. Yes, yes. And the kid's yes. like, did I fail? She's like, yes, honey, you failed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got three right. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. I mean, I think if yeah. we can spin stuff like that sometimes, I mean, we got to be real with people, not just give everybody a trophy no, for no, showing no, up. No. But, if, but, but at the same time, if we can build mm. on that and encourage them to take risks, well, I think that um, would be awesome. I mean, you know – what we need in this creative mindset, you know, we need agility, we need flexibility. And I know that they're terms that are sort of bandied around. Mm-hmm. But unless you can look at things in that agile way and be willing to shift, mm. it's, it's a bit like, uh, you know, a good sportsman, for example, is able to make decisions on the field mm-hmm. in an agile and uh, a flexible way, mm. right? They don't just perform the same things right, all right, the time. Right. Um, um, you know, you, you need to be willing to let go of what you think is always mm. correct and to look elsewhere, to see it in different ways. Um, you need to be open to other viewpoints, which often we're not. We're conditioned, you know, just to believe certain things. And this can be a cultural thing. There's all sorts of factors that come into play here. Um, and even when things seem to contradict our beliefs, we need to sort of try and keep an open mind. Um, we need to be spec- have a, what I call a speculative mindset. You know, speculate about things. You know, what might be, as you say, asking those questions. We need to feel confident in dealing with the unknown of things that are not familiar. 
and be resourceful in getting the information that we need, not to say, well, you know, I don't know the answer, I can't possibly do this. Uh, tackle something where you say, well, I, I look, I have the confidence to say, oh, I'm tackling a situation, I haven't got a clue where I'm going with this, but I'll figure out a way of doing it, mm. right? Rather than saying, well, it's not my, not my deal mm. and I won't go there. Um, you've heard of the term wicked problems, mm-hmm. okay? And this is really interesting because one of, one of the things that's obviously creating this sort of change uh, trauma, if you like, that we tend to face, you know, there's this rapid change, is that we, a, pro- a, lot of, a lot of problems and issues and challenges today fall under the category of what we call wicked problems. And a wicked problem is a situation where you begin to solve or begin to get your head around something, and just when you think you're making some progress, it morphs into something else, mm. a bit like a virus. Okay, the, the classic case with viruses is as soon as we've got an, an antidote or a, a cure, it morphs into something else and creates all sorts of problems. COVID is the classic example. And we're finding that the challenges that humans face in a future world are typically falling into this category. You know, mm. they're, they're morphing into, into different things as we try and get our head around them. So traditional thinking is not going to solve those problems. You can't say, well, you know, that's how it was done in the past. We'll just apply the same principles. The problem's completely different now. Mm. Uh, De has a wonderful saying. Oh, it's one of my favourites. He says, you can't dig a new hole by digging the same hole deeper. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a classic way of actually yeah. representing that. Well, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear some more about solutions to this new challenge uh, just after these messages. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au Brazier Mobility, creating independence. Due ore con Antonio Dottore, programma di attualità, approfondimento, interviste di politica, economia, scienze, arte, ogni venerdì dalle 15 alle 17. Estovest, a restaurant that offers traditional Italian food that Nonna would approve of. Famous for gnocchi and authentic Napoletana-style pizza. And every Thursday night, you can enjoy unlimited pizza for just $25. Wonderful coffee and staff that make you feel special. Estovest, Shop 1, 111 Angus Street in the city. To book, visit their website, estovest.com.au, and click on Book Now. You'll feel like you're in Italy. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ron, in the last session, uh, you uh, made me jog my memory of something Mm. Einstein said, which was, uh, you can't solve a problem, 
using the same thinking that got you in the problem. Exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. you're talking about the new challenges and mm-hmm. things are morphing. And mm-hmm. the, Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of thinking you think it's going to take for us to solve the problems of the new decade, new century? Yeah, okay. Well, again, we, we've sort of touched on it, but we can sort of go over some of the points. I mean, Einstein's right. Yeah, you can't, can't solve new problems with old thinking. Uh, De Bono says, you know, a lot of our traditional thinking is like driving a car forward by looking in the rear vision mirror. And so, again, what we need is this ability to see things in different ways, to see different combinations. And, and more importantly, to actually um, uh, have a way of working that is exploratory, that is experimental, uh, that overcomes the fear of making mistakes or failure uh, and learning uh, when things don't work, um, that sort of prototyping process, you know, try different things. Um, uh, The teacher in the classroom needs to be, and this is where it needs to happen, the teacher needs to be a facilitator, not a driver or, or a director in a, in a very sort of strict way um, and I think um, I think if we can if we can build these sorts of qualities into the mindset then you know we, we've got a we've, we're sort of heading down the right track to being able to sort of get people to think in that way mm. Mm. so really what you're saying is don't be afraid to get your nose bloodied Try new stuff. A- absolutely. That's basically uh, what it's going to come down to. A- absolutely. And in, in an educational context, we can do this in a safe environment. You know, you don't have to fail spectacularly. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, how it, that's the, the confidence that you build. Yes, very mm. much so. All righty. Well, I just uh, I want to thank you for being out here with us today, Ron. Mm. It's been great. No, it's been a pleasure. And mm. I want to thank Mark Aston for uh, paneling for us. And But most of all, I want to thank the audience for listening. Uh, please tune in next week, Monday uh, at 6 p.m. for Change the World with Matt McQuinley on 87.6 FM, Radio Italia Uno. And as always, I'll leave you with a brief inspirational message. He is the descendant of poor Irish immigrants who came to the United States because of the Great Potato Famine. In high school, he wasn't even good enough to start on the JV gridiron football team that was 0-8 and eight and that didn't even score a touchdown all season. When their quarterback got hurt, he got his chance. He started then until his graduation from high school. He went on to university and was the backup quarterback for two years. He was not the first backup, or the second, or the third. He was the seventh backup. He was so depressed and frustrated that he never got to play. He hired a sports psychologist and, of course, considered quitting. But for some reason, the assistant athletic director of the university took him under his wing and met with him every week to build his confidence and work on his skills. In his last year of university, he was captain of the team and a starter. He was drafted into the NFL. He was the 199th pick out of 255 in the sixth of the seventh drafts because nobody thought he was a very good player. During the draft, he says while it looked like he wouldn't get picked, he thought to himself, I figured I'd have to be an insurance salesman. Now let's put this in context for a moment. In any given year, approximately 1.1 million high school kids play football competitively. 
approximately 6.5% of them are good enough to play in university. 1.6% of that 6.5% are drafted into the NFL. And the average career of an NFL player is 3.3 years. When he arrived at training camp for the NFL, he introduced himself to the owner. The owner said, oh yeah, 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 you were our sixth round draft pick. Yeah, 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 okay. He replied to the owner, I'm the best decision this organization has ever made. Despite his confident words, he started out as a fourth string quarterback for the team. By the end of the year, he was second string quarterback. The next season, by midseason, he was the starter, and he led his team to the Super Bowl. He was the youngest quarterback in NFL history to do so. The year after that, they didn't make the playoffs. The year after that, they did, and won the Super Bowl. The year after that, they won the Super Bowl again, and he had the best game of his career in the semifinal championship game that got them into the Super Bowl, despite the fact that the night before... He had a fever of 39.4 degrees and had to be on an IV. In 2005, he took his team to the playoffs again. And at the end of the season, it was revealed that he had played with a hernia for the last six games. In 2007, it was back to the Super Bowl. In 2008, after starting in 111 games in a row, he tore two ligaments in his knee and had to have surgery. In 2009, he played with a broken finger for part of the season and three broken ribs. In 2011, he had surgery for a stress fracture on his foot, but went on to win the Super Bowl. In the 2014 season, he won the Super Bowl. In the 2016 season, he had a concussion, but regardless of that, still won the Super Bowl. In 2017, he led his team back to the Super Bowl. In 2018, He led his team back to the Super Bowl and won it. In the 2019 season, he became the oldest quarterback to start all games and the oldest to lead the league in passing. In the 2020 season, after 20 years playing for the Patriots, he moved to Tampa Bay. With the Buccaneers, he took that team that last season had a losing record to the Super Bowl and won. He became the oldest quarterback to win a Super Bowl and the one with the most Super Bowl wins in NFL history. In 2021 season, he took Tampa Bay back to the playoffs again. Early this year, this 199 out of 255 draft pick and this ex-seventh string quarterback who ended up with every NFL quarterback record that matters 10 Super Bowl appearances with 7 wins, 18 division titles, 14 championship titles. At the age of 43 and a half, he announced his retirement after 22 seasons in a game where the average player plays 3.3 seasons. The average age of the player is 26, and the guys that are tackling him weigh 141 kilograms on average versus his 102 kilograms. And that one out of 5,000 players are chosen to play in that league. What do we learn from Tom Brady? Well, a few things. One thing we learn is it doesn't matter where you start out. It's where you end up. We also learn not to listen to the naysayers. Interestingly, we learn from Tom Brady that success and failure often go hand to hand. He has the record for complete passes in the NFL. 
but also has the record for interceptions, just like Babe Ruth led baseball in home runs and strikeouts. We don't have time to list all of his injuries, crushing defeats, and disappointments here, just as we don't have time to list all of his accomplishments. But we certainly learn from him to shake them off and keep going. As Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. But probably most of all, we learn that there are two kinds of people in the world. The kind who listen to the naysayers when they are told they're not good enough, they're too old, they're too young, they're too small, they're too big, they're not smart enough, on and on and on. The type that face obstacles and setbacks and give up. The kind that listen to their self-doubts and let them determine their fate. And then there are the kind that do not listen to the naysayers, who do not let obstacles and setbacks stop them, and who ignore the voice in them that says they can't, and then they do things others thought were not even possible. The question is, which one are you?